Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to look at this. So I'm not going to preach for too long, but uh, but I just want to preach this message to encourage you. And I believe there's a there's a really powerful principle in Second Chronicles chapter 20. I want to look at this story, and I'm going to pick out parts of it and it'll come up on the screen and hopefully you can stay with me but for sake of time I'm not going to read the whole story Um, but it's the story of Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat depending on uh, where you're from and uh, and I want to read this it says and it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others with them besides the Ammonites came to the battle against Jehoshaphat Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea of Syria. And they are in Hazazon, Tamar. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. So Judah gathered, uh, throughout all Judah, sorry. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, and they came to seek the Lord. It goes on further. And what happens is Jehoshaphat goes before God and says, God, are you not stronger? In verse 6, it says, oh God, you're the God of our fathers. You're the God in heaven. Are you not able to overcome this situation? He's crying out to God. And if you skip down in verse 11, he says, they are, there they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? This is this desperation that is in in regard to this battle he's facing. For we have no power against the great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now, all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, the Levite, and the sons of Ashaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all of you of Judah and your inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. How many get encouraged when you just see that? The battle is not yours, but it's God's. Then God continues, just skip down 17. It says, you will not need, you will not need to fight this battle. He says, position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. Skip down the last little bit. In, uh, in 21, it says, And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they began to sing, look at this, when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, 
uh, and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Anam, Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. What I want to talk about is in this story is when we look at this story, and I know I read a lot and we're all over the place, but let me just summarise it real quickly. They come up against this battle as Jehoshaphat and, and it's this crazy moment and they're about to face this crazy battle. And what he does is he calls out to God. But I love what we just looked at. God speaks to him clearly. And it's almost like God, he has this moment of freak out, but God, God helps him to gather his thoughts, redirects him and says, listen to me. He says, this battle is not yours. This battle is God's. And then what happens is Jehoshaphat, it says he bows his head in worship. And then it says that he directs people. He says, this is, this is what's going to happen. And he said, in fact, it says, when they began to praise, when they began to worship, that's when God activated and God stepped in and won the battle for them. And what I want to preach about this tonight is I just want to, want to talk a bit around this topic of when worship fights for you. When worship fights for you. Because I believe that worship combined with fasting and when you fast during a time of worship, I believe it's one of the most powerful keys to getting the breakthrough that God wants you to have during this time of fasting. Something happens when we come together and when we worship. Something happens when you have fasting fueled worship. How many are finding that you worship different when you're fasting? There's something, there's a hunger that stirs within you in your worship and in your praise. And as we talk about worship, I want you to understand I'm not just talking about worship in regard to just singing a song on Sundays. I talk about, I'm talking about worship in regard to worship being a lifestyle that we live. Worship is lifting up the name of Jesus Christ continually. Worship is an attitude or a, or, or a, a position of our heart that we live in. When worship fights for us in this, in this story, what happens is it says, and I like it, I get encouraged by it because it says that, when he hears of this, understand Jehoshaphat was a powerful king. He was a good man. He was a man who feared God. But it says in verse 3, it says, And Jehoshaphat, when he gets told of this situation, it says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast through all Judea. I like the fact that Jehoshaphat, he did actually fear. He went through a moment of struggle. He went through a moment where he felt it. He felt it come upon him a little bit. Sometimes it's like in church, we feel like his weakness. If, if we sort of get honest for a moment, say, you know what, I'm finding this hard a little bit. Fear is simply an emotion. But what happens is if we allow that emotion become focus, the focus, what happens is it makes way for a spirit of fear. It doesn't always begin with a spirit of fear. Sometimes it's just some fear from simply an emotion. But what happens is in this story, Jehoshaphat, it says that he set himself. That's what we're doing when we're fasting. We're setting ourselves before the Lord. We're positioning ourselves. Remember, we talked about it last week about God focused fasting, not problem focused fasting. 
We, during this time of fasting, we need to be people that set, that, that, that set ourselves before the Lord. It says that we have to understand it's the issue isn't what you go through. It's where you set yourself while you're going through it. You'll go through challenges. You'll go through situations. The key is to set ourselves before the Lord while we're going through that challenge and while we're going through that situation. And what he does is in the story, it says in verse 4, it says, So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Do you know that there's power in gathering together? There's power in the church getting together. When you're going through challenges and you're walking through life, there's power in when you can, you can draw strength from one another. When this, when this attack came out against them, they gathered together. That's why there's power in small groups. And I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're a member of Free Chapel and you're not connected in a small group, you need to get connected. You need to get along to divine women. You need to get along to divine men. You've got to get talk to the connect team downstairs about how can I get connected? The Bible says that we're not to forsake the gathering. We, we've got to gather together as a church. Sometimes what you need when you're going through something is you just need someone else to stand with you that knows what you're going through. Sometimes you don't necessarily need someone to preach at you. Sometimes you don't necessarily need to hear a sermon. Sometimes you just need someone to stand beside you that knows what you're going through. There's power in gathering. There's power in connecting. And so they gather in this story and it says that that their eyes, again, we talked about their eyes, their focus in verse 12. Oh God, you will not judge them for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Keeping our eyes, or remind us again, keeping our eyes, our focus on Him. Keep our focus on the things of God while you're fasting. How quickly can it be to get your focus on your stomach while you're fasting? We get focused on how hungry we are. We get focused on different things going on in our life. Don't let your eyes fall, but keep your eyes on Him. Keep your eyes focused on the things of God. Keep your eyes fixed on how good God is. That's why worship is so powerful. And, and that's why one of the things I love about that song is it's so simple in its words, but it's a declaring God, you are a good, good father. You are a good God. What you're doing is you lifting up. When you say that, that, those lyrics and you sing those songs and you sing those words, you're lifting up the name of Jesus. You're lifting up God. You're lifting up the name of Jesus over your situation and, and over whatever it is that you're going through. But what happens is that the great thing about this is I love this story. I love that this is a, that they're coming up against this crazy battle. But God comes to him. God settles him. If you look at this story, he is freaking out. It says that he's fearful. He starts declaring, God, are you not bigger than this? God, are you not stronger than this? God, are you not able to do work in this situation? Maybe this is your prayer that you're praying while you're fasting. As we're declaring things that we want God to do, maybe it's God, you can do this. God, are you not greater? God, are you not stronger? But what happens is I love what God does is God centres Him. 
And God says to him this powerful thing. This is not your battle. I want to tell you one of the most freeing things to be reminded of is simply the fact that it's not my battle. It's not my fight. What you're going through is not your fight. If you belong to God, then guess what? Every part of who you are is God's. That means the battles that you face, you don't face. They're not your battles. They're God's battles. Sometimes the most simplest thing that we need to do, and this is why worship is so powerful. What you do is when you worship, you hand the battle over. You put the battle, you take the battle out of your hands and you put the battle in God's hands. It's not your fight. Some of you, the reason why it's so hard is we're trying to carry and we're trying to fight something we're not designed or created to fight. It's giving the battle over to God. And then what he does is he says, this is not your fight. You don't need, in verse 17, you will not need to fight this battle. You will not need to fight this battle. But then he says, position yourself. What was the position that he was telling him to take? It was actually in this story. It was a position of worship. Because at the end of the story, as we just said, God did not kick in until they began to worship. And I want to tell you, while you're fasting, worship is one of the most powerful things you can do when you fast. When we fast, we talk a lot about seeking God. But I want to tell you, if you're someone that knows how to worship, when you worship, God will seek you. When you start to lift up worship, that's the great thing about worship. You can be anywhere. You can be in the gym listening to headphones and the presence of God will hunt you down right there in the gym. You can be driving in your car worshipping, listening to some worship songs and declaring the good things of God and, and speaking it out. It doesn't matter where you are. When you start to lift up worship, you won't have to seek God. God will seek you out and God will find where you are and come and minister to you in in that situation right there. How many can testify of times where you worship and His presence showed up? It's positioning, positioning yourself to a place of worship. Sometimes maybe it's just taken a few moments during the day. I want to dare you to try this. Take a few moments during the day. Maybe you're a businessman and you're busy. Just take five minutes to just get away from where everyone is and say, God, I thank you. God, I lift you up. God, I worship you right now. And I promise you, it may not be a crazy breakthrough moment, but sometimes you don't need all bubbles and whistles and a clanging cymbal and a praise leader and a preacher in front of you. Sometimes you just need the Holy Spirit to just tap you on the shoulder and say, you're not doing this alone. I'm right here with you. Sometimes you just need God to just give you that, you know, that still small voice that just says, I got this. It's not your fight. It's not your battle. I got this. But you've got to position yourself. Some of you are so focused. You can get so focused on what it is you're praying for and you're pushing and you're fasting. And Listen, position yourself to a place of worship. God loves a worshipper. It's something that God's got a soft spot for worshippers. It gets his heart every single time. It's something that's so powerful. I want to show you this awesome, 
awesome verse in Acts 15, verse 15. It's a, it's a prophecy that went out and it said after this, it's God speaking through the prophet. It says after the, or, or, the, or uh, uh, through the apostle at this time, it says, after this, I will return. This is God speaking through. I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. This is what God says. He says, when I'm coming back, I'm going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. Let me tell you what the tabernacle of David was. The tabernacle of David was all about worship. It was different to the tabernacle of Moses. Very different. God did not say in this moment, I'm going to rebuild the tabernacle of Moses because the tabernacle of Moses was all about the law. But what he, does, what he does here, he says, I'm going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David, it had singers. The, the tabernacle of Moses didn't have any singers except for a few on Mount Gibeon. It says that it, the tabernacle of David had instruments. Moses didn't have any instruments. The tabernacle of David had thankfulness and praise. It had singing of psalms, it had clapping and it had shouting. This was the tabernacle of David. It was all about worship. David shifted things. When, when, when it, when prior to that and prior, the old tabernacle, it, it, wasn't, it was all about sacrifice. It was all about the, 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 the sacrifice of the lambs and, and sacrifice of the animals. But when David came on the scene and, and David began to praise and David was a worshipper and this was what the tabernacle of David was all about. So in the book of Acts, when God says, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, what God says is, I'm looking for a church that knows how to worship. I'm not looking for people that are perfect all the time. I'm not looking for the biggest church. I'm not looking for the prettiest church, although those things are great. I'm not looking for a church that's full of people that know all of the different things and know how to be what at the right time, at the right place. What I'm looking for is I'm looking for some people that know how to worship. I'm looking for people that have the heart of a worshipper. The presence of God is attracted to worshippers. We need, to, we need to be people that lift up God in worship. Living this as a lifestyle of worship. As you worship, it's not just something that we do. We've boxed worship into being the two songs that happen before the preaching on a Sunday. I want to tell you some of the most powerful encounters I've had with God are where it's just you and God, just in the car, just playing some song, playing. You get to a stage where you get so hungry for the presence of God, you don't care what song it is. You just got to get something going and then you just begin to sing. I want to tell you, in the natural, it probably sounded horrible. In fact, I promise you, it sounded horrible. But I want to tell you, there was something, there's something about worship that comes from a heart that's overflowing, saying, God, I love you. God, I don't know what I'm doing all the time. God, I know I'm messing up. God, I know I'm making mistakes, but I want to worship you. I want to lift you up. And I want to tell you, when you know how to worship, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. It doesn't matter what your gifting is, whether you can sing or whether you cannot. The presence of God will track you down if you make a decision that you're going to worship. 
And I want to tell you, for some of you, you need to let worship fight for you. During this fast, let worship fight for you. Learn to get in the presence of God. Learn to get, get in those moments where you're praying and you're seeking Him and start lifting Him up in worship. Sometimes this is something that, that I don't know, maybe will help you and hear me when I say this. But sometimes if we, when we pray and there's power, like what I said, there's power in our declaration. But sometimes for me, and this is where worship really helps me, because sometimes when I'm praying for something, I speak to what I'm praying, you know, and I, and I declare over it. But sometimes my head gets in the way and I just find myself thinking more and more over the very thing that I'm praying for God to shift in my life. And what happens is it's almost like the more I just sort of think about it, the more worried I get about it. Do you ever find like you're doing that? You sort of, you're almost focusing on it. But, and that's, that's what's powerful about worship. And sometimes it helps me just to get in the presence of God and just worship. You know what? God knows what you need. He knows what's going on. He knows what you're facing. That's why worship is so powerful. And God says to them in this, He says to Jehoshaphat, Position yourself, begin to worship and look at what happened. The moment they started to worship in verse 22. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir who had come out against Judah and they were defeated. God kicked in the moment they began to praise. God kicked in the moment they began to worship. And I believe that this is a word for some of you here. Your situation is going to shift when you know how to step into praise and how to step into worship. You know what it does is the Bible talks about, and as I was sharing before about the tabernacle, there's something in the tabernacle called the mercy seat. See, what does it tell us about this tabernacle of David. See, what worship does is worship makes God comfortable. That's how I like to look at it. When you, when you begin to worship, it's like it creates a space for God to come and for God to sit in your life. When you create, when you begin to build an atmosphere of worship, God, God comes along and He says, you know what? I like this dude. You know what? I could. He hasn't got it all together. He's not perfect. But there's something about the heart of worship that just gets God. It just, get, it just gets Him. He says, you know what? I could, I could stay here. I could, I could get in here. This, this feels good. This, I like this. See, that's what you've got to understand. Worship makes God comfortable. When you, when you lift up worship, he, He'll get in your situation. When you lift up worship, He'll sit there and be, you know what? I like this. This is good. I like this guy. I like, he can't sing for a lick and he can't, he can't hold a tune in a bucket. But you know what? When He starts to sing, when He starts to praise, there's just something about it that just makes me want to stay. When he starts to, I know he's just got a couple of minutes while he's in business and he's working away and, and I know he's busy, but there's just something about this guy that when he gets, he just, he might just take a few moments to just worship, but there's something about those few moments that just makes me want to sit and just stay here. 
And what we do is we go, when we, when we lift up worship, you, you make it comfortable for God, comfortable for His presence in your life. But what I want to show you is when we're fasting and we've got things in our life, we've got, we got, we got junk, we've got, we got stuff that's, that's going on, we've got the, the rubbish of our situation, the things that we're, we're saying we need peace in before we raise our hands and saying, God, I need peace. This is the, the, the marriage that needs restoring. It's, it's the job situation that we need changed. But what happens is we separate. We've got worship and we've got these, these, these moments of worship where we, where we have those moments. We, we learn how to, how to worship when we have God shows up and that was awesome. Great service. It was powerful. I, I was worshiping. I felt his presence. But then, but then Monday morning, Monday morning, I gotta, I gotta do my thing. Monday mornings, where I gotta. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but, but you, you know what I mean. It's like it's cool. That was a good moment. This was a good moment. I felt the bubbles. I felt the goosebumps. I felt a bit warm. I felt fuzzy. But this is what I gotta wake up to. This is this is what I gotta. But when you understand what God wants you to do, when God says, "I'm looking for a church that knows how to worship," what He's looking for is He's looking for people that will take worship in the middle of their situation. People that are crazy enough, people that are wild enough, people that have got enough faith to think, you know what? I know there's all this junk going on. And then you know what? If you'll put worship in the middle of your situation, what does that look like? That looks like when it's all hell is breaking loose. When the marriage is at its absolute worst and you stand right in the middle and say, Lord, I just lift you up right now. Lord, I just worship You. When the business is falling apart, do you know what God will do? God will look at your situation and God will say, you know what? I know there's all this junk. I know there's all these issues. I know there's all these problems, but there's a worshipper in the middle. And if there's a worshipper in the middle, then I'll get right up in the middle of this thing and I'll sit on top of all of these problems and I'll deal with all of this situation, but I'm attracted to someone who knows how to worship and I'll get right in the middle of your situation. It's learning to, to put worship in the middle. It takes, it takes, it takes a worshipper. A true worshipper to understand that in the middle of the problems, in the middle of the situation, in the middle of the mess, worship it doesn't kick in once the mess is changed. It's worship that changes it. Because worship will attract the touch of God. Worship will attract heaven. Worship will attract His presence. And what do you need in your life? You need the presence of God. He's looking for businessmen and businesswomen in the middle of deals and in the middle of, of contracts and in the middle of staffing issues and in the middle of, of, of property things going on. He's looking for someone that will just stop for a moment 
Maybe you don't even have a moment to pull away from everyone, but just in your heart, just in your spirit, you just say, Lord, I lift you up. I want to tell, I dare you to try it this week. He's looking for people. He's looking for, for mums that are, they've got issues with kids and dads that are dealing with backslidden kids that are messing up and, you, and you're trying to just keep it together. And, you, and you try, he's looking for someone who'll shut themselves away in their room and say, Lord, I worship you. Lord, I lift your name up. He's looking for, for those single people believing for a spouse. In the, middle, in the middle of your loneliness. So I want to tell you some of the most powerful encounters I had where it was like all hell was against me. But in the middle of your loneliness, you say, Lord, I lift you up. Lord, I give you praise. Lord, I give you worship. And I want to tell you, if you do that, God cannot help. He cannot help but get in your situation. And God will get in your world, He'll get in your family, He'll get in your business and He'll sit right down and His presence will cover your whole situation. But He needs some people that know how to worship. It's time. It's time for us to let worship fight for us. It's time for us to say, you know what, I'm done with this battle. And I want to tell you, I believe some things, for some of you this week, things are going to shift when you make a decision saying, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm just going to worship. I'm just going to lift him up. He wants to, he wants to build up a church. Do you think about what he said here? Oh, rebuild the tabernacle of David. Not Moses, not Solomon. Not all the glitz and the glory. And, and listen, it was awesome and I think it's great. But what he's looking for before anything else is he wants a church that knows how to worship. Do you know that worship attracts lost people as well? Something about worship when people that don't know Jesus. I remember when my parents invited me to go to church and I was away from God and running from God and they invited me and, and I kept sort of pushing it off. But I've got one of those sort of mums that won't quit, you know. They can't take a hint. Those laughing are those ones that have that same mother. And she, she just kept, she kept saying, you've got to come. I need you to come. Please come. Come for me. When they say, come for me. You know what I mean? Like, that's manipulation, mum. Stop that. So come for me. Will you come for me? I'm like, oh, whatever. I remember I had a broken leg at the time and because I'd had a motorbike accident and I was on, on crutches. And I remember I walked into this church and they, had, they actually had pillars like this as well, right at the very, very back. I found the, the seat I could find that was the furthest, you know, back. That's what I was looking for. Like, bro, if there was a seat in the parking lot, I was going to sit there. I found the one seat that was directly behind a pillar. I don't know who was organising the chairs in this church at the time, but some dude put a chair and then a pillar. And I thought, that's my chair right there. I remember I went in there and I sat there and it was one of those like times in the service when they, you know, they say, grab the hand of the person next to you. 
which is cool, like if you go to church a lot, but if you don't, that's just awkward. Like, I don't know who that is, like, or where their hands have been. I don't want to touch that. So I didn't. I was that dude that just looks directly forward and pretends like he didn't hear what the pastor told everyone to do. Some of you do that, I see you. But I remember standing there and I remember the worship started. And I remember the moment they started singing worship. I remember all the junk and all the stuff and all the problems and all of that. But then when they, they started to sing this worship and people around me started to worship and they started to lift up Jesus. And there was, there was something about that atmosphere. It, in, the way I would describe it, it invaded my heart. Worship, it, it, it'll, it got in there. I'm telling you, the hardest of hearts, the Bible says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. This is why God is saying, I'm not coming back for a perfect church. I'm coming back for a church that knows how to worship me. I'm coming back for a church that will put aside all of the politics of, of church that we get all so screwed up sometimes. And, and I'm coming back for a church that'll put aside race and put aside denomination and, and put aside the, their pride and, and put aside religion and just come together all together simply to lift up the Name of Jesus Christ. And I wanna tell you, when He's lifted up, he will draw people to Himself. That's what happens in worship. And I know that in a crowd this size, there are people here and you do not know Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.